You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have you breathed enough sighs of relief yet, Penn State fans? Welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Steven Pianovich. It's Monday, September 3rd. Penn State is 1-0, which I thought I'd be saying at the start of this podcast last week. I did not expect to spend the rest of this show talking about an overtime victory over Appalachian State. We have plenty to talk about on today's show. We'll break down what Penn State's 45-38 to 38 win over App State means for the program moving forward and how it changes the outlook for the 2018 season. We'll chat with John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times later in the show uh, to get, get his perspective on the game and what things were like in the locker room and with players afterward. But before we really dive into things, uh, I want to take a look at this game kind of from a zoomed-out angle because of how ridiculous it was. Uh, I honestly don't really know where to start, but I will say this. uh, I've been watching Penn State football for 20 years, and this is undoubtedly one of the most ridiculous Penn State games I've ever seen. Uh, As soon as... As Appalachian State tied the game in the fourth quarter, which at that point really felt inevitable, this game was going to go down in Penn State history, win or lose. Uh, it was it, it the the 180 that this game took in the f- fourth quarter was astounding. It was <laughs> the whole first half you're waiting for Penn State to pull away. You know that Penn State is the better team. I'm not saying App State is is not a bad team. I want to say that, and I'll make that very clear. Appalachian State might go on to win nine or ten games and win the Sun Belt this season. There's a very good chance that happens. This isn't the same App State team that beat Michigan in, in 2007, but you kept waiting for Penn State to pull away, and finally Penn State does pull away, and you think it's going to be fine. You think everything is okay. They're up by two touchdowns. They got this figured out. The offense looks a little better in the second half. The defense has been fine in the third quarter. Everything's going to be okay. Oh, man. And then it just, everything falls apart so quickly. Penn State is up 14 with 11 minutes left. Appalachian State scores a touchdown. It's a seven-point game with about seven and a half minutes left. Penn State goes a quick three and out. App State gets the ball back, almost immediately scores, and just they are just ripping apart. Zach Thomas, the, the Mountaineers quarterback, who was phenomenal in his first career start, is just picking apart this clearly tired and probably unexperienced Penn State defense that has more holes in it than a lot of people thought. And And then they tie the game with six minutes left, and at this point, and this is how crazy it was, you're following this thing on TV or, or following it on Twitter. I mean, Washington and Auburn are playing in a top 12 matchup that might determine a college football playoff spot. 
but everyone on Twitter is talking about Penn State, Appalachian State, because it was so crazy. This was, I mean, objectively, for any college football fan who doesn't root for Penn State, this was just incredible theater. This was this is what you want on the first Saturday in the fall. You sit down in front of your TV and hope you get something like this. Uh, Penn State fans might have felt the same way if they watched the Michigan State-Utah State game on Friday night where Utah State almost pulled the upset. It's fun to root for that. But when you're a Penn State fan, it is gut-wrenching. It is terrifying. It is worst-case scenario that not only is this team maybe not as good as you thought, but holy crap, they could be 0-1. And those co- like basically looking the college football playoff dream – is over before it even you even had a chance this season. Uh, so it is. It, it was a miraculous fourth quarter in so many ways, and it really, really felt like Penn State was going to lose this game. I mean, App State takes the lead with less than two minutes left, and you think it, it does not feel like Penn State's going to win, but then they go win the game. They, to Penn State's credit, they put themselves in this horrible position. Their defense was atrocious in the fourth quarter. They gave up 28 points to Appalachian State, and the offense wasn't much better up until the last two minutes. They, they put themselves in a, in a bad position. We're about to lose a game to a Sunbelt team, albeit a, a solid team, but we're about to blow a 14-point lead in the fourth quarter to a non-Power 5 team in your season opener when you're a top-10 team. But then Penn State went out, and Penn State won the game. K.J. Hamler, in his first-ever college game, makes the play of the game, in my opinion, the first positive play for Penn State in probably 10 minutes where he should have taken a knee and doesn't and then takes it out to the, near the 50 Trace McSorley looked like Trace McSorley on that last drive, exactly what you want in your third-year starting college quarterback, converts a fourth down and makes just an absurdly good throw again to Hamler for that game-tying touchdown. <laughs> the defense does the bare minimum to allow to, to disallow App, App State from getting in field goal range. They miss a field goal. Penn State's new running back, Looks great in the overtime, scores the go-ahead touchdown, and then one of Penn State's leaders in the secondary gets it done with an interception. So to Penn State's credit, (laughs) at the absolute last second, they made all the winning plays that they needed to, and that can be a good skill to have moving forward, but, and it's a big but, this is, this was so nerve-wracking. This was... This game, and I think here's the the kind of the takeaway. This game will always be remembered in the long term, no matter really what happens this year. Is always be remembered as the game where Appalachian State nearly did it again. They nearly knocked off a huge name team on the road, a top ten team in the season opener. As mentioned a thousand times on the broadcast, it was the 11 year anniversary of that program beating Michigan. And it real and it will always be remembered as you know don't don't schedule App State is probably the, one of the main takeaways people are, are remembering from this. But in the short term, you can't define it for Penn State until it, you see what they do the rest of the season. 
Um, there is a ton to be concerned about from this team. If you weren't already a little worried about some things before Saturday, you are now. Every area of the defense, all three levels need to improve, and they need to find some consistency in their rotations. They cycled in a lot of guys, and it's unclear exactly who is going to, to stand out and who's going to be their primary defenders, but they have a lot to figure out there. Uh, the offensive line left something to be desired. There was too much pressure on Trace McSorley most of the day. Jawan Johnson is, you know, came in as their number one receiver now to uh, some big shoes to fill, and he had two big drops and just didn't have the kind of game that you need from your, your top wideout. And the special teams that gave up a kick return for a touchdown, which you're not going to win a lot of games in which you do that. Uh, but here, it's clear that Penn State has playmakers. They have Trace McSorley. Miles Sanders, I think, can be great. K.J. Hamler is going to be a star at Penn State. And those guys are able to take over games. And if Penn State can solve a lot of those flaws, and some of those, a lot of those things can come with experience, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and if they can solve those flaws and do it relatively quickly, this could still be a 9-10-11 win team that challenges for a conference title. And after the game, James Franklin joked that it aged him five years. He said he was 46 when it started and 51 when it ended. And I think a lot of Penn State fans in attendance or watching on TV or at a bar or wherever feel the same way. And if Penn State, if those issues persist, those glaring issues that Penn State has after this game, this season is going to age a lot of Penn State fans five years every Saturday. Uh, and, and that would make, obviously, for a very long season. So we have a lot more to talk about about this one. I'm going to step away for a quick break. But when we come back, John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times is going to join me to give his take from State College. Keep listening to Locked On Nittany Lions. All right, joining me now is John McGonigal. He covers Penn State for the Center Daily Times, was obviously at Saturday's game and watched the final crazy five minutes of regulation and that overtime from the sideline. John, thank you for coming back to Locked On Nittany Lions. And kind of how do you view this thing uh, 24 hours after digesting it? Oh, boy. Well, I appreciate having me on piano. Uh, It's always fun, but... That game was wild. Like you said, I was on the field for the final five minutes of the fourth quarter and all of overtime. Thankfully, when, when uh, regulation ends, they don't kick us off the sideline. Uh, so it was a really cool experience to be – you're on the Penn State sideline and just to see the players and kind of how they're feeling. And, and it, it was like a kind of an edgy feel on the sideline. They're like they, – there was this reality that was like, oh, crap. I mean, they – after the game, all the players from talking to you know Miles Sanders and Garrett Taylor and Trace and – all those guys were like, look, we weren't nervous. We were prepared. We were fine. Like, But you could tell that there was just this sense of relief once Amani picked that ball off because, yeah. honestly, like down there, I, it really set in for me. Like, I thought App State was going to score in that overtime period, go for two, and just kill it then. Yeah. Uh, and, and so there's just so much to get into uh, with this game, so much that, I, you know, there was questions going into the season about this Penn State team, but a lot more, uh, a lot more coming out of this one. 
Yeah, absolutely. I just to the to the craziness factor of this game. Uh, did you remember a Penn State game in memory that was maybe was more surprising or, or had like a, a more wild fourth quarter and ending than this? The only thing that comes to my mind is the four overtime game against yeah. Michigan, but other yeah. than that, this is pretty much unparalleled. No, yeah. Um, the the thing is, it, it's a matter of feel, right? So. Uh, last year out at Iowa, I was still in the press box for that final drive. So mm-hmm. I wasn't on the field, and, and so you don't get that sense of, of being down there. I had to be up there uh, you know, for work, but thankfully my editor kind of had me covered on a few fronts uh, of yeah. the press box yesterday. And, yeah, and, and I, I was on the sideline for that for that Michigan game, and, and you, you, you got that feel. It might just be overtime. It might be whatever, but you're, you know, at, at, at the final drive um, – that Penn State had, you know, the, the scoring drive, touchdown to KJ Hamler. I'm standing next to the App State mascot, Yosef, <laughs> a, a fun, a fun fellow, uh, and, and he's going nuts. And you're just like, you're looking at this guy, and you're like, he sh- he shouldn't be in this position, right? Like this game should be 45 to 10. Like what is what is going on here? So I, I don't know if I've experienced in, in that realm. I don't know if I've experienced a, a, a crazier game. I mean, the, the four overtime. Um, Michigan game was insane, but it was Michigan. It wasn't right. Apple, Appalachian State. I, I've been told yeah. by uh, I've been told by App State fans it's Appalachian and not Appalachian. So I'm trying to work on that. I guess yeah. it doesn't matter. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have also <laughs> been saying it wrong all week, so I apologize to any Appalachian stands, Appalachian State fans who uh, yeah. listened and, and misheard me, but or they heard me and I misspoke. Uh, <laughs> but. But yeah, like that was the thing. Like they they played Zombie Nation after the last play of the game against Appalachian State, which is crazy. Which is it, it shouldn't be happening, but it no. did. Uh, and what I mean, what was kind of the general mood of the team afterward in the locker room and in interviews when you got a chance to speak with some of the guys? Yeah. So after you know you know James James Franklin is the eternal optimist, and he's going to mm-hmm. always spin things positive. I mean, he was you know I think it was back in 14, 2014, he was spinning it positive after beating army 20 to 14 and that was just yeah. a terrible game but uh so he's he's gonna try and take the positives out of it but even he was like look our special teams did not play well uh our defense and offense both looked inexperienced at times and just didn't know what they were doing at some points um but yeah like, like i said earlier you know talking to some of the players they they all seemed like you know they were fine it, it, they it's weird it's almost like they, they came out of this and the mood was like, oh, like we totally didn't almost just lose to a Sun Belt team. It was like, no, we're fine. Like, you know, we're just gonna take this and move forward. And adversity is good. Uh, but the 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 feeling, you know, after the game was different. Like immediately after the game was different than than you know how the how the guys were talking about you know in in the media room because there was just this, this sense of relief uh, that that kind of came off their chest at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Beaver Stadium collectively had a huge one. Cause I, that's the thing. It's like, and and it kind of goes again to just the craziest craziness of this. So I'm down there, and it's it's loud. It, it's like, it's like an Ohio State atmosphere. You know, it, it's it's like they were playing Michigan or they were playing Wisconsin in the fourth quarter tie game. It's like these are the Mountaineers of Appalachians. Yes. It's just like it still boggles my mind, man. So and like I had. So I went on an Appalachian State uh, podcast uh, last week, and I picked it was like forty-one to fourteen, and like a bunch of Mountaineer fans were like blowing my Twitter up like late <laughs> last night, and I'm like, no one hey. could have predicted this. You guys yeah. didn't. 
you guys didn't know this was going to happen. Come on. No. No, but uh, you you kind of expect Penn State players to say that to say this, you know, sure. we got to win. It can be good. We pulled out. Yeah. They did. And they did make. They made winning plays when they absolutely mm-hmm. need to in the absolute nick of time. Do you yeah. do you buy into that though? That this for a team that has a ton of freshmen, sophomores, and inexperienced juniors in its rotation, that this could be more beneficial than say winning that game by seven or fourteen. Yeah, I. Yeah, because I, I think James always says it. Uh, James Franklin always says that winning, winning kind of masks your issues. Losing, you know, brings them out. And mm-hmm. Trace has said that before. Um, and, they, and they didn't lose, but to some fans, I'm sure it felt that way. It's you know, about as close it, as you can get. Right. I, I mean, you you go into a season with uh, you know with Trace McSorley, a Heisman Trophy candidate, legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate, and you know some returning pieces from a team that won 11 games last year and. And you're expecting, hey, like this is this is a team that can contend for a college football playoff spot, and and then you go out and you, you look like an eight win team, you look like a nine win team. Now it's, you know, you don't want to overreact to one game, but when it's that different than what you thought it was going to be, and don't get me wrong, Appalachian State played a hell of a game. Yeah. I, I mean, quarterback Zach Thomas was just dropping dimes. There were some balls that you know, the, there was a one wheel route down the down the right sideline that it's just. You know, no one from Penn State could do anything about that. But um, you don't want to overact, overreact to one game. But they did look more like a nine-win team than a potential eleven-win team. Yeah, I, I, that's absolutely most fans would agree with that. Uh, but one thing, one of those guys, a younger guy who hasn't been in in crunch time in recent years, was Miles Sanders, who yeah. starting for Saquon. Obviously, he yep. didn't get a ton of. A ton of touches in that first half when the Penn State only had ten points, but used a ton in the second half and ended up scoring that game-winning touchdown. I know you have a piece coming out or came out on Sunday about Miles. Uh, just kind of what was his mood afterward, and what do you, can this be kind of a springboard for him moving forward? Yeah, I think it can be a springboard. I, you know, touching on the, on the carry issue, it, it's it's weird. So um, James was asked about it in his post in his post-game press conference about Miles' usage, and he only got seven carries in the first half. Mark Allen. Between Mark Allen's, I think he had three catches and five carries, had more touches in the first half than Miles. And, you know, James basically said, look, on Friday we, we kind of set this rotation, uh, this running back rotation between Sanders, Allen, and true freshman Ricky Slade into effect. And, and that's what you saw in that first half. But, you know, for example, you know, it's tied game 10-10, uh, and you go ahead – and or was it 10-10? No, it was 10-7 at that point. App State was up. And it's a third and three, and you're on App State's like 15-yard line. This is in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And Mark Allen's still out there. Mark Allen's 5'6", 185 pounds. Yeah. If, if you're in a short-yarded situation on third down, how is Miles Sanders, your 5'11", you know, 215-pound bell cow, not on the field? You know, I get you having a rotation, but – you know, they probably should have broke it uh, a couple times in the first half. So that was just kind of weird. But, look, yeah, Miles did look really good down the stretch. Obviously had that touchdown in overtime. Uh, Trace, you know, really lauded his you know, just ability to hit, hit the hole and just keep going. You know, there's a lot of yards after contact, uh, which is a good sign moving forward. Miles, after the game, kind of took a page out of Saquon's uh, playbook and being like, hey, like, I don't want the credit, like, the credit of the offensive line, whatever. But, but the kid played well. Uh, in the first game where he didn't, you know, he didn't spell Saquon. So 
um, I, I think good things ahead for Miles and, uh, and yeah, Saturday was just kind of the tip of the iceberg there. Absolutely, uh, there were and there are a handful of positives for Penn State. Miles Sanders, obviously, one of them there. All right, we're with John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. You can find him on Twitter at jmcgonigal9. We're going to step away for a quick break, but when we come back, John's going to fill in some blanks after Penn State's first game. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to Locked On Nittany Lions. We are still joined by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. We're going to discuss some... uh, We're going to have John fill in the blank on some sentences after Penn State's wild overtime win in its season opener against Appalachian State. All right, John, first one. I'm sorry, Penn State fans, going to start negative, and there are a handful of answers here. Penn State's biggest concern after that Appalachian State game is what? Uh, is it a cop-out to just say the entire defense? I, I mean, you know, they, they actually... I'll take it. You can do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Brent Pry's unit actually played pretty well through three quarters. You know, they held App State to a field goal and five punts in the first three quarters. In the mm-hmm. fourth quarter, 11 first downs, 266 yards, and the biggest number, 28 points. You let up 28 points to the Mountaineers in the fourth quarter at home. I mean, like I said earlier, Zach Thomas played really, really well at quarterback, but it's telling when your starting safeties, Garrett Taylor and Nick Scott, had 17 combined tackles on Saturday, 11 of which were solo stops. The front seven wasn't doing the job. It, it just mm-hmm. wasn't. Uh, I, I liked what Sharif Miller was able to do early. I actually liked uh, how Yeter Gross Matos got after things a little bit. And Jarvis Miller at linebacker had some really nice plays, some really yeah. key plays uh, that, that people might forget about. But for the most part, their front seven was very underwhelming. Jalen Moore, App State's running back, was kind of just running through arm tackles for most of the second half, uh, especially the, you know, the fourth quarter there, and it just felt like that this this unit had worn down, and they were they were rotating so many guys in. You know, Michael Parsons, true yeah. freshman, got in. Uh, they even had Nick Tarburton out there, a true freshman defensive end who had just converted from linebacker like three months ago. So they were rotating a lot of guys in, and I guess it's it's going to be good for those young guys to get their that experience, but. When they, they look at their film primarily the, the next day on, on Sunday, and there's going to be a lot for Brent Pry to look at. There's going to be a lot for for that unit to reevaluate going into Pitt. Because, you know, I, I think App State might end up at the end of the season being a better team than Pitt, but you're still going on the road now. Mm-hmm. Uh, play, you know, whether you know, people call it a rival, people, some people don't, whatever. You're going on the road to an ACC opponent at night, and you're going to have to have that defense figured out. By yeah. times next Saturday rolls around, so that's my biggest question mark. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Uh, let's get a little more positive here. Sure. Penn State's best surprise on Saturday was best surprise. Hmm. You know, I liked what Will Fries did. You know, he came in at right tackle for Chaz Wright, and the offensive line didn't really look great in the first half. But Will Fries, who you know played a bit, you know played last year, had nine starts last year. He's he's competing for that right tackle spot with Chaz Wright. I think he really stood out. I mean, he was in there on all five touchdown drives uh, in the second half in overtime. He had a he sealed off a linebacker on Trace McSorley's second touchdown run. He did the same on Ricky Slade's twenty-seven yard touchdown run. You know, he he looked like he was involved in in, in almost every positive play that Penn State had 
offensively, and and that's tough to see. You know, you know right. from from the stands especially. Uh, you know, to be watching your, your right tackle out there, but Will Fries, I think, earned himself uh, the start at, at Pitt with with his performance against Appalachian State. Yeah, I'd be surprised to not see him atop the depth chart when it comes out later this week. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. KJ Hamler's return near the end of the fourth quarter was electric. Man, <laughs> that was that was insane. The thing is, look, you could tell all game that he wanted to take one out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, he he get he kept getting kind of pushed back into the end zone. Like you know, whoever was uh, the up back was just no, 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 kind of calming him down. Like, do not bring it out. But that it, that kid just just made a play. Retro freshman who you know he, he had a serious leg injury and missed his his t- entire se- senior season of high school, and he missed last season by redshirt. And so the kid hadn't really played in a real game in two years, and he goes out there and changes the. Possibly the face of the season. I mean, by yeah. making play and sparking the, the team that was dead, and th- that play was just electric. That that play is is gonna is gonna be at the end of season highlight reel for sure. Yeah, I and mean, he was so close to to kneeing it too. Like it was, uh, and it was. seemed it seemed like I was watching. It seemed so dumb. I was like, he's gonna get ta-. the way that game was going. He's gonna get tackled at like the eight yard line, and there's gonna yep. be a hold, and they're gonna start at the four or something like. Yeah. Yep. I, that, that would have made so much sense. And the thing is, of course, like James Franklin after the game was kind of joking around. He's like, oh, yeah, that was like totally coaching. Like we totally <laughs> told him to do that. But no, you could just see it. And he, he like like you said, he looked like he was going to go down for a knee. And he was just kind of like, screw it. Like yeah. we, we need something. And he even said after the game, he said, you know, to sometimes, you know, to get those big rewards, you need to risk it a bit. Yeah. And uh, it and it paid off. It was their first positive play in. I don't know, 10 minutes of game time, maybe, or yeah. something like that. It was huge. At least. All right. Last one, John, before we let you go. Penn State beats Pitt as long as? Ooh. Um, I would say as long as as long as the, the, the backfield mates keep doing what they're doing. Because Trace, uh, look, I think Miles had a good game. Trace actually had a pretty good game, all things considered. Uh, I mean, the stats won't show it. But the, the composure down the stretch for him to do what he did, uh, and he didn't really get much help. Uh, I mean, Juwan Johnson at, at some point, and the, the, that kid is super talented, but he had a drop on an on a easy first down in the first half, and then he kind of alligator-armed um, a perfect ball, 40-yard strike down the sideline late in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I, I think if Trace and Miles kind of just keep doing what they're doing, uh, you know, if if they kind of replicate their performance from Saturday, I think I think Penn State wins, uh, and that that could be that could be another forty five to thirty eight game. You know, if if the if the defense doesn't figure its stuff out, but uh, I think as long as you have Trace McSorley quarterback, and if Miles is getting more confidence, uh, which he should after after what he did against Appalachian State, I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, not a not a bad combat to take out to Heinz Field there. All right, uh, John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times, thank you again for joining us here on Locked On Nittany Lions. Uh, Enjoy Pittsburgh. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely, man. Thank you. So that will do it for this edition of Locked On Nittany Lions. Hopefully it did not age you five years like the App State game might have. We'll have four four more shows this week to get you ready for the Pitt game. Obviously, weren't able to get into a lot of Pitt stuff today with all the Appalachian State talk 
but we will have plenty to talk about this week about their series and the future of the Penn State Pitt series and what Saturday's game means and how Penn State can bounce back from a uh, from an interesting opener. So please listen the rest of the week. We'll have plenty of insight on that. And also, please remember to subscribe and download, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Locked On Nittany Lines on Twitter at Locked On Nittany, and also find us on Facebook. Thanks to everyone out there who has listened and liked us and gave, given us feedback. Really, really appreciate it. All right, we'll be back later this week to talk about Pitt. I'll see you then.